In this special episode, we take you into the breakout sessions at the powerful Conclave of Warriors in Miami. Warriors came together from all over the world at this inaugural life-changing event. An explosive movement here was created that focuses on living lives that embody a warrior spirit. Now, the elite lineup of these speakers included some of the baddest ass dudes out there. They've been there. They've done that. But most importantly, these guys are out there changing lives and helping others become better versions of themselves. Truly warriors in my book. In this breakout Q&A session, Bradley dropped some bombs. This guy's an elite entrepreneur and the CEO of Lightspeed VT as well as a social media influencer. Brad is as real as it gets, no doubt about it. Join us for this very real conversation where nothing is scripted and every word spoken is raw and heartfelt. Stand by. up a warrior my brothers welcome back to the man of war my name is rafa conde and of course i am your host a man on a mission here to transform you into a modern day warrior now check this out this is a very special episode we're going to take you deep inside the breakout sessions at the most powerful event of the year the conclave of warriors in miami this was a 2018 version and i got to tell you that 2019 is going to be off the chain so you got to be on the lookout for that now listen i have something very special here in store for you if you have not heard yet about the man of war crucible we are taking applications and we are also conducting interviews as it goes right now. Five days, four nights, and 20 men will be selected in this badass transformational experience. All right, listen, it doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. This is an opportunity for you to get on board here. All right, I just want to tell you a couple of things about this event before we start this podcast all right, it's simple. All right, this is going to be divided into five days, four nights. You're going to be staying on premises. You're going to be staying with your team. We're dividing you into four teams. Whether you're a leader or team leader or not, well, that is yet to be seen, right? You got to have the qualities and meet the criteria to be able to lead your teams through challenges, obstacles. We're going to put you out there and give you training in hand-to-hand combat, knife work. We're going to also give you training in force-on-force training with firearms. We're going to put you through some major PT. We're going to put you through zip lining, obstacle course climbing. We're going to take you to the beach sleep deprivation. We're going to go out there and push you through kayaking competitions. This is going to be just an unbelievable event. And I must tell you, all right, that we have received literally almost a hundred interviews are locked down right now. Um, Literally right after I record this, I'm going to be doing interviews for this. All right, we've already started to select guys. So the goal here is this. If you're interested, you need to go to wardevacademy.com forward slash crucible and fill out your application and get it in. That's wardevacademy, A-W-A-R-D-E-V academy.com forward slash crucible. And last but not least, make sure that you go to iTunes and leave us a review Help us continue trending higher. 
and get this great content into good people's ears, right? The more people that listen, the more people that we can have taking that step and start living life like a warrior, right? That's what that's literally what every that every ounce of the show is about. This is what makes us unique and different. And since day one, I've stuck to my guns on this. All right, so leave us a review on uh, iTunes. It would be very, very appreciated. All right, here we go. We're going to take you into the Conclave of Warriors. For those that were there, this is going to bring in bring up some great memories, some great highlights. And for those that did not show up for whatever reason, all right, maybe this will get you going because 2019 is right around the corner and we're going to be kicking it live again. All right, guys, let's jump right into it. And we got Brad Lee in the house. Brad, welcome. We're going to be some bombs right here. Boom! Indeed. Is this on? Um, just turn it on. Yep. Check, check, check. There we go. So, what a great uh, presentation Brad Lee had yesterday, huh? It was spot yes. on. What do you guys think? Hey, thank you. I don't know why, but two days in a row I gotta follow someone that's badass, doing badass things, saying badass things. Which is funny too, because let me make, let me make you guys a point. When this gentleman came up here and apologized for what he was wearing, right? And then he said, but as they said, I don't give a <laughs> now who in the audience, raise your hand, if you thought to yourself, oh my god. God, I cannot believe he's getting up there dressed like that. Raise your hand if you thought that. Exactly. Nobody gave a fuck. And that's why he shouldn't give a fuck. Now, if you got that dude or that dude looking for you, you better give a fuck. Especially these Navy SEALs, too. Like, God dang, how... How big of a piece of shit do you have to be to have fucking Navy SEALs after you? <laughs> like, holy shit, the fucking feds are after me? Big deal. Goddamn Navy SEALs are looking for you, did we? Holy shit. You better give a fuck. Other than that, don't give a fuck. <laughs> I can't hold it, man. <laughs> I'm just, trying, I'm just trying to keep it real. The real Bradley. That's right. You can follow me, by the way, on Instagram. The real Bradley. Hey, so I've got a good question here. When are you going to write your book? I am writing a book. I'm writing three. There's going to be three. The first one I'm writing is called The Hard Way, which is basically shit I learned the hard way so you don't have to. The next one will be called Zero to Light Speed, but I can't write that till I reach a billion dollars. And then after a billion dollars, I'm writing my third and final book called Inches to Spare. I should have kept him for last. <laughs> all right, all right, Brad. So this is the only, all right. Right now, we have people here that I'm sure every one of you has a question. All right, for you. This is, this is what I want to do, okay, because the reality is that um, Brad, I mean, his, his way of speaking, he connects with people, you're quick, you're, you know, boom, 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 people can relate to you, 
And that's one of the reasons that I had you on as part of our cadre was because people can relate to you. And it's not just to me, even though you talk you know, a lot of business, it's not just business. I mean, you connect with people in real life, right? Practicality, that's why real talk is good. I mean, this guy right here, for the most part, um, when I started listening to him, what, about a year ago, I was like, dude, this guy talks real shit. Right. I talk, I'm, I'm real, but I talk a little bit of a different platform. He's really, he hits the business world. I love that. And uh, what I want you to do here, man, I'm gonna have you just field questions. Feel free to ask whatever, I mean, he's, gonna, he's good at this. I've seen him in Q&As before, heard him in Q&As before. What are you laughing at up front there? Is that an inner joke? <laughs> oh, I'm excited for the questions. <laughs> you ready? Yeah, if anybody has any, sure. All right, let's go, raise your hands. Well, unless you're my wife, what don't you give, Brad? Unless you're my wife, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Brad, when you uh, started Lightspeed, I believe that was uh, early in the internet days, and that was uh, pretty risky. Now going forward, as with your business and everything like that, staying ahead of the game. With has anybody come in to try to creep in with competition and everything like that? Obviously, there has, and you continuously staying on that. How do you organize that? How are you always trying to keep, besides keeping a pulse on the industry, as you said, how are you always staying ahead of the curve? Um, I'm, I'm creating the curve. So like, I don't worry about what other people are doing. I worry about what I'm doing. And, and our like mission at the office internally is to kick our own ass. Because someone's gonna come kick your ass and might as well be yourself, right? It'll go easier on you. So what we do is we just kind of innovate every, or, I try to innovate every single day, and I do it by thinking about being the consumer. So every day I log into my system, like it's a pain in my ass to get this done. Well, guess guess how other people are going to kick your ass if you're not kicking your own ass. If I want to kick any of your businesses' ass, I'm going to look at what you do. I'm going to see what you do wrong, and I'm going to provide a service that does it better. You know, if you got a problem with your product or service, and I'm using it, and a lot of people are using it and you're not fixing it, or you're not even asking people, then you're out of touch. So what you do is you just use your own product. Act like you have to do business with you, and if you don't like something about that, well, it takes too long to do this, or it takes too long, or this is a pain in my ass, then, then you fix it first. So with our system, like 20 years ago, I was doing interactive video. Just today, people are getting video, and they're like, you know, look, we got a video. Because a video is just a video. It's a one-size-fits-all video, right? But people are different, correct? So if you want to create a world-class training system, and, you're, and you need to if you're going to expect to build a world-class company. You need a world-class team. And to get a world-class team, you got to have world-class training. Ray and I was talking about this before, which is training requires four key ingredients, okay? Good content, repetition, practice, and accountability. And if you go back and think about true training, military training, police training, any kind of training, there's those things, right? And if I'm wrong, again, a lot of police officers in the room tell me. You know, there was a time in my life, by the way, I would have been nervous as shit having all you cops around here. <laughs> but anyway, I can teach the police. If you guys want to make more money, it's real easy. You just have to put your ethics in question. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> 
like kick a door down, get some coke. Like let's say there's two pounds. Just say there was a half a pound. Anyway, um, realistically, that's how I, that's how I do it. Is I just kick my own ass. So if you want a good, you know, way to do it, use your own product and be honest with yourself. That's another thing. Keep it real. Like don't sit there and think you're you're special if you're not. Use your own product. You know what I'm saying? Like like if my wife puts on a dress and she says, "Does this make me look fat?" I say, "No. Your fat makes you look fat." <laughs> but guess what? She don't ask me if shit makes her look fat anymore because she knows I'll tell her the truth, which is why she started working out. She started going to lifetime fitness. Hey, and I'm telling you, now she looks good as hell. And if I wouldn't have told the truth, I would have said, no, baby, you look great. I said, no, your fat makes you look fat. You got to fix that fat. Same thing with your product, bro. Like, kick your own ass. Every day you need to wake up, kick your own ass, product or service, no matter what you do, if you were doing it for, your, for you as a, cons a consumer, would you see any room for improvement? And if you don't constantly take that and improve, then you probably will get your ass kicked. But I'm trying to kick my own so many times, like people are just now coming up to video, ours is a full motion interactive video. People aren't the same. People learn the same, they have different thoughts, different needs, different goals. So if I give you a video and I let you all watch it, you're all watching the same video. What if that video could ask you who you are, what you're interested in? Whether you're male or female, whether you want money or you want um, stability, because everybody wants different things. So if I could have like Jay Dobbins pop up in a video and ask questions, just like he was standing right in front of you and adapt to what he says based on who you are and your personality style, how much more engaged would you be? So another thing, like, you know, I'll sell you my video program for 90 bucks. Well, I could sell you my video program for nothing and then interactively get you to buy $9 million worth of shit right in the middle of it while I'm fishing. So, yeah, so interactive, and that's what I mean by leverage technology. So that's how I kick my own ass, and that's how I um, stay ahead of the curve, is I kind of invent the curve. For, for us anyway. And, and last but not least, who saw that, that meme where, I forget the guy's name because he won some gold medals and you know, I hope there's no Olympic winners in here because I, I made a joke like, you know, he, he's the best swimmer. Who gives a shit? Yeah, Phelps, you know, like, you know, he's got 75 fucking medals. Well, God, he's a fucking swimmer. He's the best swimmer. We're all gonna celebrate because he's the best swimmer. He's making a billion dollars because he's the best fucking swimmer. What about that dude that went over there and fucking kept us so he could swim? Where's his fucking medals? Where's his millions of dollars? It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Anyway, I'm not mad at Michael Phelps. <laughs> but, but there was a meme with Michael Phelps where he was looking straight ahead and, and the dude that was in second place was looking at him and it said fucking winners look at the goal and losers look at the winners. So I, I, I love that. So that's what I try to do in business. I don't even, I don't even give a fuck. I'm just looking back at it. Question, a quick question. I saw you taking notes here, all the speakers that were there. I mean, for the most part, you're sitting there taking notes, all right? Are you constantly learning? Is that your mindset where you're constantly learning and then just kind of 
seeing what's out there, exploring. Yes. Because I got to tell you something, that is so key right there. A man in his position like that, going out there, taking notes, listening from others, and I can tell you that all the speakers here, I got to believe that, you know, right here, you got Ray, you got Jason, you know, they're all here listening to each other, right? And that's, that's huge because they're humble enough to take notes and learn. And I mean, that's what this is about, you know, learning from each other. And it doesn't matter where you are on the totem pole in business or wherever you are in life, learn from each other, huge point. Um, Con constantly learn. Like if you don't read every day, like Ray, when you said earlier, you haven't read any books. Dude, you should be reading a book every single day if you can. And if you don't like to read, because I don't like to read, I just do the audible books. You know, if on the plane, boom, I don't want to listen to a bunch of bullshit. I'm just going to stick in something and learn. And guess what? Sometimes you learn, it's bullshit. <laughs> like I've learned somebody's shit, and I'm like, oh, that shit, stupid shit. But you learned it, right? Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. I just saw you driven by the way in Los Angeles. I apologize for that. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. I learned a lot. Thank you. So, massive success is my duty, obligation, or responsibility. You are correct. As such, I know I need to develop multiple streams of income. So, as an entrepreneur, I know that I need to develop my business online. And I know you can help me with that. <laughs> it's the reason I'm asking this question. So when I think of multiple streams of income, because I will be a billionaire one day, yeah. I, I need your support, sir. And <laughs> what other multiple, what other ways can I think about that will bring me multiple streams of income? So now I have my business. I was at the LA event because I'm learning how to invest in uh, multi-unit properties. What other areas would you recommend? Well, it depends on your core business. Because first of all, I don't agree with all those people saying you need multiple streams of income. All I need is one major fucking stream of income. Right? And then the, that income becomes streams of income. So like, I don't need to be here and here and here and here and here and here and here because eventually you're going to be diluted and gray hair and like stressed. You need income, right? So if I'm in real estate, I might open up another company, which is the management company because to run those properties, somebody needs to manage them. So now I open up a management company and then the management company usually hires the landscaping company. So I might open up a landscaping company that serves, that works for a management company that runs my properties. See what I'm saying? Or if I were a car dealership, I'd open up a tent company because someone needs a tent on damn windows. Might as well be my company. But all of those are streams of income, but they're related. And I think you should like what you're doing because if you don't like it, then it's just no fun. I mean, realistically, you should figure out who you are first, literally who you are. And that's why, again, I don't care so much is because I know who I am. And I know that if any of you are my business partner or any of you did business with me, you're going to get more than you're giving me for sure. That's just how it is. So because I know that, that's why I don't really care if you like this jacket or if you don't like my shoes or, hey, I don't like the way he talks. Boy, he, sung, he comes across cocky. One time someone said, you seem very cocky. And I said, you know my wife? Just joking. Anyway, sorry. 
That's just for the brand. That's just for the brand. Um, to, answer, to answer your question, to answer your question, I would try to keep it related to the business that you've chosen because whatever expenses you pay, think about your all your businesses. You you write checks to people, correct? What are you writing a check for? What if that was your company? Because they're doing it for the check you're writing. It must be profitable or they wouldn't be doing it. So I would just keep it related to your industry, whatever it may be. Yes, and thankfully I love my business. So how can your business, and I have e-courses, uh, you know, a digital platform. Uh, how does your You should have just started with that. I should have. I just have so many questions. If you, want, if you want to email me, yeah, I can set it up after this, and I can help you with that for sure. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. And if you guys want my email, it's brad at I don't give a fuck.com. No, it's brad at lightspeed vt victor thomas virtual training victor tango lightspeedvt.com. Feel free to email me, and I'll email you back. Hey, Brad. Hey, buddy. Been a pleasure meeting you this weekend. Um, like the SEALs have mentioned, they've got a great team and back-end. Uh, in my office, they've got a phenomenal team and, and back-end support. Who do you have as your back-end team? Because we see a lot of the front-end. Who's on your back-end and your support staff? <laughs> you guys tee up so many opportunities for jokes, but... <laughs> I have a whole team. I have like 85 employees, or I should say team members. Some of them are employees. Um, but I have a partner that's like a master wizard uh, technical guy, code writer, things like that. And then he's got a team of people. Um, you know, I've got Carly, Maria, all kinds of people, my wife. Everybody that backs me up and lets me be me is kind of who I consider my back end. And I've got an amazing back end for one reason. I'm... Um, almost committed to making sure like every week I cultivate my relationships. Because if you're negative, you don't believe in me or you're not my fan, well, we can still know each other, but you just won't be around me. Because you have to have people that want to support you and encourage you around you. So if you have a shit ball in your group, then guess what? You're the shit ball. Do you, do you realize that? Who's ever heard there's no bad teams, only bad leaders? Yeah, see, I've never, I, I didn't believe that shit. I'm like, dude, I'm a good leader, and my team sucks. Hey, guys, just a quick break in the action here. We've seen the news. Mass shootings and terror attacks can happen anywhere and at any time. London, Paris, New York, Vegas. And after each tragedy, the politicians blame the very people who need protection the most. You and, of course, me. So we've teamed up with one of our new friends here over at the United States Concealed Carry Association to give you a free copy of their complete mass shooting survival guide. Now, the USCCA provides self-defense education, training, and legal protection to responsibly armed Americans like you and me. And now they want to give you a free copy of their new mass shooting survival guide. Just text the word SURVIVAL to 87 to get yours for free right now. You're going to learn what we really know about mass shootings, how to survive an attack, 
proven strategies for stopping a shooter, and a whole lot more. It's packed with truly life-changing information that the anti-gun lobby does not want you to have. Plus, it comes with a bonus audiobook so you can listen whenever you want. Now, you can claim yours in seconds. It's 100% free and for a very limited time. And you'll also get a bonus security checklist for your office, your school, your church. Just text the word SURVIVAL to 87222. That's SURVIVAL to 87222. I would have argued until I was dead. My team sucks. And I am a good leader. That is a fact. And look, it sucks. You're wrong. So after I realized kind of what that meant is, if my team sucks and I allow them to suck, well, well then that statement is true. I allow them to suck, which makes me the bad leader. And it didn't dawn on me for a long time, but I do that. This, I do the same thing with friends. And so it, friends and family. And, and by the way, family, I don't give a who you are. Like, if you're my brother, and you're a prick, you know, I'll see you at Christmas. And, and I think Bedrose touched on it. I'll edit the relationship. You know, hey, how's Lightspeed going? Ah, I think we're going out of business. <laughs> you got 50 bucks like tomorrow? So you got to beat you got to beat them to the punch. When, they, when you know they're coming up there for money, hey, how's it going, right? Oh, fuck. Oh, dude, you got a thousand like tomorrow? They're like, shit, I was going to ask you for a thousand. God, <laughs> let's, let's go see if Joe's got some money. <laughs> but that's what I do. You just got to keep cultivating. So my team is excellent. I've got business team, family team, and friends team, and they're all 100% strong. Otherwise, they won't be on my team. Make sense? You guys, by the way, you can ask me love questions, relationship questions, business questions. I'm like Dear Abby, but Brad. Hey, Brad, I'm not going to ask any love questions, man. I'm good. Um, that's why your hand's in your pocket. So when I was a kid, you know how everybody always says how broke they are? When I was a kid, we were so broke. My, my, Dad couldn't afford Christmas presents, so he cut a hole in my pocket so I have something to play with. Hey, go ahead. Yeah, all right. So, so I'm 24 years old. Uh, I worked for a defense contractor, went to college, got my degree in finance. And for it wasn't until I started working where I, I thought that the whole entrepreneur route was, was somewhat foolish. Yeah, I grew up. Um, oh, hold, say that again. You thought the entrepreneur route was foolish? Growing up, okay. right, not anymore. So my, my father, come from a retired military family, that they always got jobs. Either you went into carpentry, you went into business, yep. and, and they worked for somebody else and had you know good careers, right? I always had food on the table, and I was very fortunate in that regard. Um, so I thought, I'll just work for somebody else, guaranteed paycheck, work hard, retire one day, I can do the whole nine. So now that I'm you know in the workforce and things like that, and I, I've seen some of the entrepreneurial things, and I think, um, you know, today with technology, all the entrepreneur spectrum is a little bit more visible. Uh, how do you recommend somebody, because I mean, I can't just up and quit my job and start a, start a company and, and, and do that, but I want to do something somewhat passively and start it slowly and on the side. So what would your recommendation be to go that route? I would say, do what you just said. Start something slow and do it on the side. Because you're the one, you're the one limiting yourself. You, you said I can't do it this way. Well, 
Why not would be my question. Why can't you? So I have my father sick now, and so my, my job is, is to help take care of take care of him and things like that. So. The job? They pay you for it? Yes. Okay, so if you can find anybody that will do it for less money than they pay you, you can train somebody to take care of your father and give them half the money you're paid to do it, and you're all automatically an entrepreneur. Well, I, I apologize. My income helps take care of my father. So oh, for like, another job. For, for, my, for my, my job, yes. Yeah. Well, then I would probably do side hustle. Because again, I mean, you know, responsibilities, like Ray is afraid to, to, in my opinion, step off a curb. He acted like it's a freaking cliff. It's not a cliff. At the end of the day, if you're afraid, it's because it, it's the unknown. I believe that we are programmed to be afraid of the unknown because we were created by it. And you don't, like, you don't, you're not afraid of an empty, dark room. You're afraid of what the fuck might be in that room, right? You're afraid of the unknown. If you know it's just an empty room, are you afraid? No. If you're going to kick in a door and you know there's nobody in there to shoot you, are you afraid to kick in the door? No, you're afraid because you don't know. We're afraid of the unknown. So you just might be a little bit afraid of the unknown. And then there's times where, no, you got some legitimate shit. You got kids to support and kids to feed and real responsibility. I would still tell you to, to jump because, folks, you're going to work it out. Like, what's the worst that can happen? When I quit my job, I, I thought to myself, well, shit, I wasn't looking for a job when I found this one. So jobs aren't hard to get, right? Would you agree? What do you do for a living? And what happens if you quit and three years later figured out you better go back and do that? I guess I go back. Yeah, you get a job. So there's there's no like if you didn't have your dad to consider, shit, I'd tell you to quit. But since you do, you guys, there's so much shit you can do on the internet, it's unbelievable. That drop shipping, her and I were talking about her son was drop shipping. You can do drop shipping, you can start some side hustle and eventually make more money on the side than you do permanently. And if you want to do that, by the way, you email me and we'll get Lockheed Martin to use my training system and I'll let you override it and you'll make more money than you do right now. And then, and then you don't have to do nothing, just introduce me to the decision maker. Because you know they need to train, right? Yes. Yeah, so they might as well use the most advanced interactive training system on the planet. Um, did that answer your question? Because it looks like I did not. <laughs> it looks like I wish I didn't ask that prick. <laughs> but, but it's the true side hustle is the way to do it. There's a million of them. And if you want to email me, dude, I'll give you a couple of them where, where you know, e-com, drop shipping. You want to be digital and internet-based. You know, it takes too much time, these brick-and-mortar businesses. There's too much liability. If it's just a side hustle, there's a lot of digital things you can do. A lot of them, and believe it or not, make a shit ton of money. More than people think. Hi, hi, Brad. Hi. <laughs> uh, yesterday you used um, the phrase broke as a joke. But in my understanding of it yesterday, you referred to it to, to people that were actually not making money, they were truly broke. And you also used it for billionaires. So if you could clarify what's the difference uh, between the two. Well, billionaires don't own anything personally, they control everything. And broke as a joke means you ain't got shit. 
Like you don't control nothing, you don't own nothing, you're like legitimately broke. If, if and when um, you look at someone that like has a lot of wealth, a lot of wealth, nothing's in their name. They just own and control everything, like trusts. Like you guys, you guys realize you don't pay taxes on a loan. Who knows that? Okay, so you can literally do this. You can take your money, that they give you limits, but you know, time it stacks up. So let's say your limit's 750 a year, which is my limit. So I can only put $750,000 a year in this, let's call it an insurance policy, because that's what it is. Now, if I were to die along the way, well shit, it's an insurance policy. My family gets paid. But once there's a certain amount of money in there, say $10 million, I can go borrow $10 million. And by the way, it's tax free. 750 that way. If there's any financial people in here, tell me if I'm lying or shit, maybe the feds are looking for me. <laughs> I know that this is kind of, you know, kind of the deal. My advisor is, is like showing me the way, but you, you throw 750 a year over here. By the way, you can do 7,500. So you throw it over here. After three years, now there's two, three, four, five, $10 million sitting in there. You can go borrow that $10 million. Now remember, you put it in there tax-free and now you borrowed it. You didn't take it. You borrowed it and it's your money so you determine the loan terms well the terms on my loan is I ain't ever paying that shit back till I die <laughs> till I die so when I die taxes are due and I'll be happy to pay them then <laughs> so so hey and it's totally legal to do it's like totally legal to do No, it's not a whole life policy. Okay, so do you sell whole life policies? You sell them? Oh, anybody sell them? See, missed opportunity because now everybody wants one. I'll give you the name if you email me of the person I use. He'll be happy to get you set up. And it's the, it's a fact. Like 100% legal. Why are people why are people so afraid of money? Making money. Well, I mean, uh, I think. I it, and, 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 give me a second here. So the way I see it is, people are so afraid of kind of diving in and really going after. You know, their, their little goals are like, hey, listen, I can live. You know, hundred thousand dollars a year, right? Hundred thousand dollars a year. That's a, that's a magic number. I call bullshit on that. Hundred thousand a year. Hundred thousand dollars a year. You can't even. I mean, if you have a family out there, I mean, you you, you can't live on that. And I, and I tell you this from from a law enforcement perspective, where police officers have this mindset where they go out there and they work, you know, forty dollar jobs, you know, forty dollar an hour jobs, fifty dollar an hour jobs for details instead of creating, like you said, a side hustle, right? A side business. I know my schedule, most cops here work 12 hour shifts, okay? Or have, and we were talking, who was I talking to? Right here, this young man right here. You know, he was asking me. And I'm like, listen, you know, there are times in life where like you're saying, a side hustle is badass. If you can only learn, right, that side hustle and be able to bring it into your life, you'll be able to start building things so when you retire, you have something. So my question is, why are people being so, they, they, they have this fear of making money outside their own little box. They don't want to go and try something different, like you were talking about e-commerce or whatever it is out there. I mean, from your experience, why do you think people have that fear? 
mean, it boils down to me, original fear of judgment. Even, even in the positive, like sometimes if you get rich, people are going to judge you. And you don't, I mean, it may be subconsciously, I don't want to be judged. Like when Josh got up here to speak, you know, I told him in the bathroom, if you get up there and speak, no full well, everyone's going to think you're a dumbass. <laughs> um, I just wanted to be extra nervous because when he got off the stage, I said, see, dude, did, did anyone give a shit? And he's, he's like, no. Did, did, I'm like, did you feel stupid? He's like, yeah. Yeah, but did anyone think he was stupid? Raise your hand. See what I my point? We put on our own fears. He's, he was afraid of being judged. What if you all think I'm stupid? Who gives a shit? Same thing, same thing with money. Like, if I get rich, you all might think I'm an asshole. Or I'm afraid that I won't be the person I want to be. Like, I, I say I'm so generous and I'm going to give it to my family. Well, maybe you're afraid that you'll get rich and you won't. Maybe you're afraid you'll get rich and everyone will see you as the piece of shit. You really are. Like, who knows what the reason is? Because everyone's individually different. But the main reason is because people fear judgment. But here's what I don't get. Look at it like this, folks. If you, let's say you, like, where's Ray? This one was for him. So Ray, for example, Ray. So when you ask Bedros, he said get a coach. That's the easy way to do it. And, and not only that, now you've got to vet the coach because half of them are full of shit, too. Believe it or not. But think about it like this. It's just change the perspective. If somebody wants something, like let's say I want to be X, 99% of the people don't even know what X is. So when I say, what do you want to be? I don't know. Or, or you're general and vague. You have to know what you want before you can get it. That's a fact. So I mean like specifically want, what do you want your house like? What do you want your life like? What do you want your family like? What do you want? Because if you're building a life thinking you want to get rich and then you get rich and then you're empty inside, it's because that's not really what you wanted. You just didn't know what you wanted because you thought that is what you wanted. So get specific, write it on a piece of paper, architect your own life however you want it because again, you can do anything you want to do. You just have to figure out what it is, right? And usually money is a part of it. So in Ray's case, you're worried about losing what you have to get what you want, correct? And financially speaking, obviously wife and kids is not what I'm talking about, but you don't have what you want, correct? You don't have what you want. So think about this. Why would someone, especially a SEAL, be afraid to let go of something they don't want to reach for something they do want? Like, what? how does that make any sense? Like, I don't want to let this go. Yeah, but you don't want it. I don't give a shit. I'm not going to let this go and go after what I want because if I let this go and I don't get that, well, then all I'll have, all I'll have is something that I don't want. Does that make sense? Yes or no? Yeah, so dude, you gotta be willing to go, I don't want that shit. And go after this. So some people say, well, how are you, how did you take the risk you took? And like I didn't see it, and I think again, I was raised wrong. I was raised like by myself. I'm, I'm like a wolf child or something. <laughs> they just made sure I didn't die. That's all they did. They came home, hey, what's going on? You alive? Alright, here's some food. Don't bother me. 
And I had to survive and learn on my own. Like when I'm listening to these gentlemen's stuff, I'm like, I don't even want to get here and talk. Like the shit, I got in trouble for painting my dad's Playboys red. <laughs> like they're out freaking, you know, dealing with burned down houses and people out to kill them and rape their family. And it's like, all I got is my ass beat because I sprayed some titties red. I mean, I got no stories with this, but at the same time, I think because I was left alone to figure shit out for myself, I, I was forced to look at shit simply. And when I see people that'll kick in a door and they're not afraid of going over there and taking care of that action, I think that's what I am like when it comes to risk. See, he fears, what if I have to take my kid out of private school? Or what if I have to move houses and can't afford what I got going? That is a fear that's not going to happen. And if, and if it's really that big of a fear, do both. Everybody always wants to pick one or the other. The answer is both. Start saying both. Like, do you want this or that? Anytime you hear, do you want this or that? Say fucking both. Every single time. My wife wanted to go look at season tickets for the Golden Knights in Las Vegas. And so... There, we go look at the glass seats, because if you're gonna sit anywhere, sit on the glass, right? They're more expensive, but it's worth it, because then you can get on Instagram and say, guess who's sitting behind me? And people will go, who? And I'll say, everybody. <laughs> but, but, but my wife said, let's just go look at the suite. Let's just go look at the suite. And I said, what the fuck do we wanna look at the suite for? She said, just to see what they look like. I said, they look sweet, babe. That's why they call them sweets. She said, can we just go look at it? I said, sure, let's go look at it. We go up there, oh, they're sweet. <laughs> and then the dude, of course, said, you know, how, you, you want it? And then <laughs> he accidentally said, well, which one? You want the sweet or the glass? And what do you think I said? I said, fucking bowl. <laughs> so now I got the sweet and the glass, but the story continues. Uh, later, I want to bring up the rest of the story, but always say both. You don't have to have one or the other. You don't have to let go of what you have to go get something else. You guys get that? He doesn't have to freaking sacrifice the care of his father to go build something. Quit thinking you do. This lady said she can't, you know, they're building buildings in Miami. <laughs> like, shit, I wish I was. See, see the perspective different? Like, I wish I could build a fucking building in Miami. She's like, oh, we're building buildings in Miami. I'm like, well, why don't you move? Oh, I can. I've got an eight-year-old kid. Is she fucking anchored to the earth? <laughs> like, you got an eight-year-old kid? Big fucking deal. Get a, get a nanny. Oh, she's got, like, learning problems. She's dyslexic. You can hire the fucking teachers to come with you. You know teachers will quit their job and work for you direct? So go to the best school. Go to the best teachers, like six of them, and say, you're working for me now, huh? You, I don't want to pay you what you deserve. And you'll make so much money with that mindset, it's unbelievable. Someone says, well, that'd be expensive. It's expensive not being happy. It's expensive not filling your internal, you know, I don't even know what it's called, but I know what I think that the whole is. It's you're not reaching your potential. Say? It's called You're calling. Yeah. So she should be building buildings in other cities and states and regions. Nashville's a good one. Austin, Texas is a good one. There's a lot of them. She's like, well, I don't live there. <laughs> I didn't know you had to live somewhere to build shit. 
I'm screwing it up though because I'm looking at Nashville and all these other places to buy apartment buildings. I'm not building them, I'm buying them because I want them to cash flow at the same time, the same day. You gotta wait for them to be built. But the but the difference is is I don't let you know, I have kids, I have two little girls, I have two older boys, and I have two older girls. I have six kids. Can you believe that shit? <laughs> From four moms. <laughs> are, are you are you buying this? God damn it. <laughs> hey Brad, got a question for you. I want to know what you didn't know coming into this conference. I want to know what you learned, knew, something that you've never heard before, a concept or an idea. I want to know what you didn't know. Um, there's a lot. I'd have to refer to my notes because, again, just the fact that my company's booming. This is not training. This is being exposed to information. So I have to go home and read my notes and apply my notes and figure out ways to train myself on what I learned. Then I can tell you what you learned because you can't, you don't know what you haven't learned. I've only been exposed to some shit and some good shit in that book. But some of the things that I've picked up on or, or intend to learn, you know, I think I knew. You just have to be reminded. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, like, like again, you all know exactly how to do everything you want to do. You're just not believing it for one reason or another. And if you think in your mind, have you ever thought to yourself, you ain't going to do that. You're a piece of shit. Yes or no? Raise your hand. Or anything negative. Whether you said you are this. You know, think about this. You wouldn't say that to yourself. Okay? That's somebody else saying it in your mind, right? You are not you. What would you call yourself? What would you call yourself? Yeah, anybody. Huh? No, if I'm like talking about myself, I, I'd say fucking I, right? I wouldn't say you. I wouldn't say, you got nice jeans on. Big. <laughs> Fuck, you got a big nose. Would I? No. I, I would say, I got a big belly. I should probably lose that. I think I'm going to lose. I don't want to go in that building. I'd say I. So listen real carefully to that voice in your head, because a lot of times people think it's you talking to you, and it's not. It's someone else saying shit all your life, because you recorded everything you've heard. And it's in your head somewhere. And when you start hearing, you're never going to make it. You should probably not do that. You're going to lose your money. You're fucked. You better not try that. It's somebody else saying that to you. Does that make sense? Yes. And a lot of that self-talk is why you're not where you want to be. Like, I'm a high school dropout. I just dropped out of high school. 11th grade. Of course, I tested out. Like, they were testing me at college level. So I'm smart as fuck. I just didn't even get a goddamn degree or whatever they're called, diplomas. But I tell people, I've got four MBAs and two PhDs working for me. <laughs> so the, the A students sometimes work for the C students. Do you know why? Because the A students are following what their parents told them to do. They are following what society says you should do. You need to go to college. Why? It's over fucking, it, it, it's overrated shit. 
Now, if my kids want to go to college, I'd want them to go to college just for the experience. Like, I bet you his college experience was fucking heroic. <laughs> I wish I could have went to college for many college reasons, but it wasn't to get an education. Like, half the time, the professors in college heard it from someone else, and they heard it from someone else. And you track, you track the lineage back, and you're like, wait a minute, none of you motherfuckers did anything. <laughs> How did you hear? How did you hear about all this? Oh, it was fucking a book from Heraclitus. It's like, wait a minute, you never built a business, but yet you're a business professor. No, but Bob told me. Nowadays, wouldn't you, wouldn't you like? Wouldn't you like to learn from someone who's already built a hundred million dollar business or a billion dollar business? Right. And again, there's probably a professor here going, "You're a dick," but I'm just telling the truth. If I can learn from someone who read about it or someone who lived it, I'd much rather learn from that. Like, if you're going to go to Iraq, you want to go with fuckers that have been there and done it, or you want to go with me because I read his fucking book. <laughs> right? Give him a hand. Come on, man. further ado, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to walk around with questions. I mean, you know his backstory, everybody here. Um, and I, I just want questions for him. And is that cool with you? 
Because I think I, I think this is this is awesome. I think people love to, to kind of interact. Right, so let's do this. Let's jump right into this. All right. Give me hands. Give me hands. Who is? Ayo. Yeah. Jason, I read your book. Absolutely love it. First question: Do you have a date on book number two? And secondly. Um, on the podcast you had Jimmy Hatch on, um, thought that was my favorite podcast, I've heard of one on teams. But um, Jimmy mentioned that you came over to his house for the manual, this is what you do when you're wounded. What is your syllabus, if you will, for that? So, uh, question number one. Uh, Jimmy, yeah, no problem. She has these notes, like... She knows, she's like right here, writing everything down, or like, I love it. I love it, man. She wants to right on point, man. Sorry. Uh, the answer to question one is, uh, hopefully I will be signing the contract with the publishing company next week. We've kind of been in negotiations and it's gone back and forth. But uh, if everything goes according to plan, overcome, how to survive life ambushes, and lead yourself to success will come out uh, in December of 2019. And uh, question number two, uh, the syllabus for that, uh, really it's kind of the school of hard knocks. So when I went to Jimmy's house, the answer is no, there wasn't really a syllabus. It was just the experiences that I had. And what, you know, four years, four or four years, 40 surgeries. And now it was my mission when I got back, I felt like I got a second chance. And you know, Brad nailed it. He said, do you want someone who's read a book about it or do you want somebody who's been through it? I have been through it and I had dealt with just about every problem there was when it came to being a wounded warrior and I met all these other wounded warriors and helped them through these situations. So it kind of became my mission when I got home, especially for any SEAL. If I heard a SEAL got wounded, I went visiting with them and I'd say, hey man, this is what you're going to go through. This is what's going to happen. These are the problems that are going to arise. Here's a, here's a book that my wife had started writing when we went through that process, all the notes, hey, this was jacked up, we got a problem with this, this person was great, don't work with this person. And we basically walked over and sat down with Jimmy and we're like, dude, this is all the things that are gonna happen. And you know, it's funny to read about it later because you know, he kind of nodded and the reality is those things came true and he went through that journey. Fast forward to today, uh, if there is any kind of syllabus, it is now called the Overcome Academy. Um, and it is a program that I have created. It's, a, it's really a blueprint on, on how to get through uh, life ambushes. And it's funny, it's come full circle because originally when I started writing it all down, it was designed for any individuals and really it was going to be for companies. And then we switched it to the nonprofit and focused on wounded warriors. And we had two classes of wounded warriors that went through the Overcome Academy. And then, you know, lawyers step in and fuck everything up. So, where are my lawyers? I know, I know there's at least one or two here. Come on. Nice. So, the lawyers step in. Nah, I love you guys. You guys keep us out of trouble. But that's exactly what happened. And, you know, they said, hey, you're talking to people about trauma. You know, you're encouraging them to talk about their trauma. There are um, legal concerns in doing that because technically it could be construed as you running a treatment program. 
And there are all these things that you're going to have to put in place in order to protect yourself that suddenly took our program that already was struggling to raise money to a ridiculous level. And so uh, myself and the board were confronted with it, you know, decision. The bottom line, the Overcome Academy will continue, but I'm going to shift it back once again to uh, all of you. Because I figure what I can do is I can run Overcome Academy courses and I can invite wounded warriors and you guys can pay for the wounded warriors. And that'd be a much better way to do it. I have wounded warriors in the program and they get to meet with you guys and network and learn how to drive forward together with civilians, which is what they're trying to do to figure out how to get back out in the civilian world and be successful. Student, if you ever stand up, because I might miss you if you just raise your hand. All right, I'm sorry, Rafa. What? Jay, Jay. I love you, Mary Dee. There's been a lot of discussion here with you um, in overcoming your wounds. And when I read your book, uh, and I read a lot of books, and when I read your book, what was so very powerful for me was how you overcame your failure on the teams. And, and that experience says for me everything I need to know about you. Because it's not the mistakes we make, but what we do in light of it. Could you give us a couple of tips of what you need to do having catastrophic failure in your life and having to come back, restore your reputation in the field? Yeah, absolutely. So it's funny. A lot of times we've talked about what is your, what is your subject matter expertise? What are you an expert on? And I definitely consider myself an expert on the ability to overcome adversity. But I was thinking about a couple of weeks ago as I'm making a bigger transition to expand what we're doing. I'm an expert on failure. I have failed multiple times catastrophically. And I realize that there are linkages in failing and finding success and overcoming. And one of them has to do with that little voice that we were talking about earlier that's inside your head. This little demon that lives inside your brain is the most insidious enemy you'll ever face. He is a nasty little fucker. And he will tell you all these lies. And, and I don't know why we're made the way we are, but when we suffer a setback, especially a failure, that little voice will start to tell us, you're never gonna get back to where you were. And the problem is, other people around you may tell you that also, oh, you failed. You know, you, man, I'm really sorry. You're not gonna get this, you're not gonna get that. You're probably have to go someplace else and do this. And, we have a natural tendency to convince ourselves of that, to listen to that little voice inside our head. And, uh, and I started to do that. I had teammates that didn't want to talk to me because of some of those decisions that I've made, and, uh, and I fought against it. So I, one of the things about failure is what I talk about is the first thing you got to do is admit it and accept, accept it. Hey, this happened. Man, it sucks, but it happened. You got to own it. You got to own that failure. And, uh, and you gotta figure out why, how did it happen? You know, did it happen 100% because of the result of your actions? Usually that's not the case. Usually it's a little bit of a blend. But no matter what, what you own and what you understand you contributed to, now those are things you can start to look at controlling. Number two, you gotta figure out how to make that change. How, how do I drive forward past that failure? This gets back to the life ambush moment. Failure, make no mistake, it's a life ambush. 
Um, especially if it's something big. I mean, for me, that was the biggest failure that I had in my life up to that point. I mean, wearing this emblem and everything that goes into it and to have teammates say, hey, we, don't, we think you're not standing up to the test. We don't want to work with you. That was the biggest blow I've ever faced in my life. And, and so now there's this natural tendency to be sitting on the X, feeling sorry for yourself and convincing yourself, I can't do this, and you know, this downward spiral that so many people make. I mean, how many of us know, I know people right now who have failed and they're still living in that failure. They never move forward. How many? So many, so many people out there that have failed and they just kind of accepted their failure and never moved past it. So this is where in order to get off the X, you gotta stop listening to that little voice inside your head. Build good teams who will support you in those moments. Keep good teams and people around you that you can depend on. Don't stay with those negative people because the negative people around you, just like Brad was talking about, they're gonna be the ones that say, oh, I told you so. Yeah, or yeah, whatever, you know. Might as well just not do anything else because you're never going to mount anything because you failed at this too. So find those people. And let me tell you something. Without failure, you will have those people around you. It's going to happen. You're going to have the naysayers. It just is what it is. I mean, I saw it in the SEAL teams. Uh, but there were people around me that I had who were my buddies and my friends and said, hey, man, dude, you fucked up. Let's go. Get off the axe and drive forward. The third thing, third thing, you know, fate sometimes plays a part in it, and that's exactly what happened with me. I mean, the, one of the best mentors I had ever worked for happened to be, I'll tell you this little story, that, that is a story in the book, and it happened at Ranger School. So, I've never quit anything in my entire life except for one thing. I got in trouble, I got sent to Ranger School, at Ranger School, I was bitter about being there, I was still pushing back, I had not owned my failure yet. I was still pushing against it tonight. And, uh, and anyways, long story short, I failed a, a course in ranger school. And, uh, and I got into an argument with the ranger school instructors. And they basically said, yeah, you're a jackass because, you know, seals suck and all this. And I was like, oh, yeah? Screw you. And you can take this course and shove it. And they were like, are you quitting? And I was like, I'm done. And uh, they said, Roger that, you quit, you're out. So I had to go visit the Ranger School Colonel. And I started to convince myself that this was the right decision. Like, my military career was over, guys wouldn't follow me, I made these wrong mistakes. And I just, it'd be very careful, we can convince ourselves of a lot of dangerous things that are not true. And so the whole next day, literally, I called my lovely wife that night and was like, yeah, I'm coming home. And she's like, what? I was like, yeah, I'm coming home, you know. I, I'm probably getting out of the Navy and we're gonna have to start a new life, but I'm coming home. So, and, and this was after a very hard, this was the operate, this immediately happened after the Operation Red Wings deployment. We had lost friends. Uh, a really hard emotional deployment for us. And I got home and like, you know, I don't know, six to eight weeks later, I had to go to ranger school. So I call her and I'm like, yeah, I'm coming home. I fucked up. So uh, the next day I went to go see the ranger colonel. I sit down in front of me, he's like, hey, what are you doing? And I give him this sob story, I'm a victim, I got thrown into the bus and all this crap. And he goes, all these lies that we tell ourselves. And he goes, well, do you want to talk to one of your teammates, one of your leaders? And I'm like, oh, hell no, man. 
I don't want to tell any of those guys I'm quitting. That's, and that's everything we stand against. And I knew it. I knew it. And you could tell that I was making the wrong decision because I'm the one that didn't want to talk to any of them. And he, he's like, well, I have a really good friend. You know, he he's, was a leader in the SEAL teams. You know, maybe you want to talk to him. I'm like, nah, bro, no one. And he like, he, he's like dialing the phone. And he like, you know, he's like, yeah. Yep, Vince. Yeah, I'm not to that. I got your guy right here. And he hands me the phone, and it's, it's Vince Peterson, somebody I talk about in my book. He's probably one of the most highly respected SEAL leaders in the entire SEAL teams between the you know, 80s, 90s, and 1000s. Uh, not his real name, but a, just phenomenal. He was a mentor for me. I would have, like, literally, if the guy had said, Jay, I need to take down hell. Would you douse yourself in gasoline and drive the propane truck, the propane truck with it for me? I'd be like, Roger that. I mean, that's how much I believed in this guy. So when he handed me the phone, I was like, there is no, I was like, there is no way in hell I can't talk to this guy. I had that much respect for him. And I took the phone and I tried to give him that same sob story. And in a moment, this is where you have the right people in your life. Identify the right people to be around you, to mentor you, to give you advice, you know? In a couple of moments, we talked through my, you know, I'm a victim being thrown under the bus, and I made a statement to him. I said, sir, I said, the reality is, even if I graduate successfully from this school, my teammates are never going to follow me again. And he told me the most important leadership advice I've ever been given in my life, and I still to this day say it is the single most important piece of leadership advice when it comes to how we lead ourselves and lead others. He said, people will follow you if you give them a reason to. He said, go back to that course, kick it in the ass, graduate honor man, and come back to the SEAL teams and lead, because I need good leaders. I was like, whoa. I handed the phone back to the colonel and I said, I'd like to be put back in the course. Can I get back in the course? And he said, no, you're going to go sit in Ranger School jail for a month. You can ponder your stupidity, and then we'll let you back in the next class. So then the worst phone call came when I had to call my wife and tell her, yeah, so, you know, I know I was gone for two months, but I just added a month, so now I'm gone for three months. Yeah, that did not go over well. <laughs> the bottom line is this. Do not listen to that little voice in your side. Movement is life. I made that statement the other day. When we are stuck in a moment of failure, adversity, something bad has happened, you have to move out of it. You have to move forward, regardless of all those little voices inside your head that are telling you all that BS. And, uh, and that is exactly what enabled me to be successful once again. One step at a time is what gets you out of failure. It's the same thing that gets you out of adversity. One step ahead. And, and sometimes, you know, it is millimeters. You are crawling along on millimeters, but progress is progress. That's the Kaiser principle. And that is what will get you out of that failure and out of that success, and on to that success. My brother. So I have a, uh, a comment and a question. There's a story where uh, Michael Jordan scored 75 points one night, and Steve Kerr made a free throw. And he tells everybody about the uh, night that him and Mike went for 76 points against the Knicks. So for all of us that were on the deck today, um, I'm going to tell everybody uh, about going through SEAL school with Ray Karen, Jason Redman, 
And you were right there with us in that Smurf group. So my question All is, six foot three of you. My, my question is, and it would be the same question to uh, Ray, and it would be the same question to Brad and, and to Bedros. Is there anything, or what are you afraid of? Because I look at you guys and I think these guys aren't afraid of anything. And I know there's a lot of things I'm afraid of. I, I'm afraid of failure. And you know what's funny is I failed, but I can't stand it. I hate it, I despise it. But what's funny is I tell people you gotta get outside your comfort zone, you gotta do things you're afraid of, so you still have to push forward and accept that you may fail. But the most, the biggest things you'll learn in your life are gonna be a failure. It ain't success. You know, I'm sure Brad had tons of instances where he totally crashed and burned before he got to where he is today. You know, when I interview people for jobs now, one of the key questions I ask them when I interview them is, tell me about a time you have significantly failed and how you overcame it. And you can tell so much about someone by what they tell you. And it's fascinating to me because some people will dance around the question. Some people will be brutally honest. And, and some people will try and pick a very low level failure and say, this is what they did. When you know in life, nobody has ever only had one little tiny speck, you know? All of us at some point have crashed and burned and we've had to pick ourselves up and figure out how to drive through. So our ability to be honest with ourselves and our ability to get out of that situation tells a lot about someone. So I'm afraid of failing. I probably always will be. I'm a competitive person. I want to win. But I also know it about myself that I'm not going to let it stop me from taking risks and trying to be better. Because the other side of failure, I know I'm gonna be smarter from it after I get up and keep going. Coming to you, coming to you. Sean. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you, uh, and thanks for that inspirational talk yesterday. Uh, during your talk yesterday, you touched on your Christian faith. Uh -huh. How did that Christian faith develop? Was it happen when you were shot and you looked at the skies and said, God, if you get me out of this, I swear I'll be a good Christian? Did it start before that, or was it during the recovery process and it kind of got you through that? No, unlike, uh, unlike some of our other people here, I, uh, you know, Bill, Ray, I grew up in a, a pretty good home. I mean, my parents were divorced and I bounced back and forth between two of them. But on my dad's side, he was a very strong Christian in the church. We were in the church every time the doors were open. I was raised as a Christian. Interestingly, when you're a kid, I think you have blind faith. You know, if your parents tell you this is what's true, you believe it. And I think I drifted away from that for a while once I got into the military. And then uh, amazing moments of your death tend to bring you back full circle. Um, to my miracle moment on the battlefield and coming back home alive. And I'd love to tell you, I mean, I speak in churches, I'd love to tell you I'm this guy with this rock-solid faith. I'm not. I'm a very analytical person. I like, I really like facts. Like, I like scientific fact. Um, and so faith is a really hard thing for me, despite the fact that I'm a dude who had this miraculous moment that doctors are like, dude, it is a miracle you survive. You know? And I know what happened there. Um, but the way I look at it is, I think 
that faith is a journey, that you can't just have blind faith. You need to look at it, you need to research, you need to analyze, and that's something that I do. I read a lot of uh, Lee Strobel books, and there are other books. Uh, apologetics is a study of the, fa the, the facts behind faith, and that's something I'm very interested in. I read a lot about it. You know, a book I'm reading right now is called The Case for Creation, so it's a scientifically-based book on faith. On, sorry, on creation. So. We're done with that question. I'm done with that question. Um, I have a question that speaks to your physical pain that you've experienced with reported surgeries. Um, so I deal with people in pain all the time, every day, physio, and um, I find one of my struggles with patient care is when these individuals are in this pain and they just can't, they can't get over it. They let it soak up everything in their lives and sometimes they're just a little it's a little bitch and it's not a big deal. Um, so do you have any advice for me in terms of what I, because you can't just say get over it, right? You'll be fine, you can't, in that mindset. So what would you say to someone in that situation where they need to get over that? You know, I can't, I, don't, I can't speak for chronic pain. I've met so many wounded warriors who have chronic pain, they have phantom pain. Um, I will say this, I am a firm believer. So my arm, doctors told me, First, that they were going to amputate it. And then they told me um, that it was going to be fused, just like this. And that was the best I ever was going to get. Uh, and in the beginning, before they did that, they told me, you know, they talked about elbow replacement, but they told me that the only one that was on the market was one for geriatric patients, and I wouldn't be able to get one of five pounds. And I was like, nope, don't want that. So then they fused my arm, and then this amazing Dr. Johns Hopkins managed to get me this much movement. And uh, what they told me, they said, within five years, you know, or 10 years at most, you're gonna have so, such bad arthritis that you're gonna have to get that elbow replacement we talked about. So for me, I just try and stay active. And I try and use it as much as possible. Now, I can't say that this will work for everyone, but I do think that the more you move, the better it's gonna be. I mean, so many women warriors and individuals who have pain, who don't. They allow that pain to dominate their life and they use it as an excuse not to do anything. Um, so I do think, and I'm not a doctor, I can't, I can't speak to that chronic pain. You know, we have some smarter, uh, most people are smarter than me, but you know, there's smarter people here that deal with you know, the physiological aspects of the body. Um, I definitely believe in that adage that movement is life. And, and the more we move, the better your body works, even through an injury, like, um, you know, finding that balance for what you can do. So for me, that's why I move my arm all the time. And I notice that if I go too long without, if I go a couple of weeks without doing stuff, it'll, it'll start to get stiff and hurt. So that would be my encouragement that, hey, there's no guarantee here, but if you can maybe start moving and doing things more, you might get to a point where it's going to lessen. Uh, so that would be my advice. Anybody else? Sir, with, uh, with your experience in the military and uh, speaking about leadership specifically, um, 
I'm very familiar with a chain of command and in leading subordinates, but what advice do you have as far as leading up the chain? So leading up, I would call, that's called multidimensional leadership is how we look at that. Um, and, and here's the thing about leading beyond yourself. So the first, I have three rules of leadership. Three rules of leadership. Rule number one is you gotta lead yourself. That's the most critical rule. And, and we, we always talk about leadership by example, but so many people don't do it. So many people automatically think about rule number two in my spectrum, which is how well do I lead others? I want to lead others. Everybody always talks to me about, hey, Jay, I lead this team, and I want to be a better leader of others. Well, the first question you should ask yourself is how well do I lead myself? Uh, because your ability to effectively lead yourself, to be disciplined, to have structure, to accomplish what you're doing, to go above and beyond, the strong work, work ethic, all these things to project leadership is going to have a direct impact on every single person around you, up, down, and across the spectrum. People are going to look at you and say, that guy or gal is a leader because of how they lead themselves. Leadership, credibility is the currency of leadership. Incredibility is built on all the things that we do day in and day out. So that by the time you need to lead others, 80% of that has already been done in just your daily activities and how you lead yourself. If I didn't know you and I came into a company and for a month I had watched you and I was just like, what's your name? Uh, Manny, sir. Manny. For a month I had watched you and I, and I was talking to other people and I was like, dude, Manny. That guy is squared away. That guy is closing deals. Every time I turn around, man, he's firing people up. You know, he is getting stuff done, man. I'm going to learn from that guy. And then if I had to come work for you, I'd be like excited. And if you said to me, hey, Jay, I need you to do this as part of my team, I'd be like, dude, awesome. I'm so excited to work for you or work with you. So leading yourself is rule number one. Leading others comes just naturally with it. The third rule is you got to lead always. And this is where a lot of people, this is where I made a lot of mistakes as a young leader. This is how I got myself in trouble. You know, I would pick and choose when I wanted to lead. So, remember, remember what I said? Credibility is the currency of leadership. So, if you are making poor decisions in your off time because you think it's my off time, I'm not a leader right now. Yep, bad news, man. You're a, once you decide to be a leader and you're in a leadership position, you're a leader forever. And now, you need to be a leader in everything you do. Because I don't care if you're off duty or not, if somebody meets you at Target, somebody meets you at Nordstrom, so they meet you pumping gas. If you do something negative, it's going to impact your credibility as a leader. Because they don't see you as Manny, the dude at his car pumping gas. They see you as Manny, my boss. And the decisions you make and your emotional attitude and the things that you do impact your credibility. How you treat your kids, how you interact at church, how you do things in your community, all play a part in your leadership credibility. So that's why once you decide you're going to be a leader, you got to lead always. So now, leading up, those three things will enable you to have influence on the people above you. That's the multidimensional leadership spectrum. So it's your ability to lead downward to those uh, who fall under you. It's your ability to lead your peers, which is the hardest group of people to lead. But if you've already followed those other three rules, it makes it easy. 
Your leadership wants you because you followed all those other rules. And here's the most important aspect of multidimensional leadership. The fourth aspect is our ability to influence the external organizations that don't fall into our normal spectrums. Other businesses, other organizations that we may need to work with or collaborate with or do things with. You've already built this multidimensional leadership model by all the things you've done in the three rules of leadership. Now you're able to influence them. That's how it's done. Great stuff right there. Great stuff. Well, listen, I mean, it's, it's already, we're pretty much in the conclusion, and I can't believe we still have that many people here. I mean, for the most part, I, I would have thought by now, you know, usually the half, half to three quarters are gone towards the last hour, so I am very excited and proud that you guys are all here. These speakers that we've had, I mean, Jason Reverend right here, I mean, his, his uh, presentation yesterday was just very, very powerful across the board, like always. So, I mean, at this point, you want to, you want to, what, you want to go for that? Show that? Well, yeah, I was going to, but I mean, do you have anything else? No, no. I, I want, actually, I knew you brought that, so I was going to say, go for it. Go so, first. yeah, hey, Brad and Ray and, and all our speakers, Mama Deech, do you want to come up here? So. So I, I, I just wanted to, uh, we, we, I want to take a minute and just say thanks to Rafa. I tell you what, man, I've done big events, and man, trying to corral the cats that are all of us and the all crazy schedules, I mean, trying to get Brad, I bet Brad's first response to Rafa when he called him was, I don't give a fuck. So thankfully he agreed to come here. You know, Andy, I mean, Andy's like, like a, I don't even know, man, like a, like a rabbit on crack that's going to dip in a nuclear plutonium. I mean, how do, you, how, do you, how, do you, how do you nail that guy down? So, Rafa, I know what a, uh, a, an incredible effort it was to put this on. I'm, I learned a ton from all these guys. I mean, Ray and I are friends. Brad, I learned so much from you. Jay, you and I have been friends for a while. I learned so much from you. Mama Deets, you know, we love you, so thank you for being here with us. But, uh, this, this was the sign I have on my hospital door. It represents, uh, you know, it represents really those lessons of leadership is what I tell people. And uh, I'm fortunate enough that it kind of took on a life of its own. This, this is just a representation of it, this canvas. Uh, we, we, we sell these for people who are looking for that inspiration. But uh, we, I have everybody signing who's still here often, and this one's for you. Oh, man, thank you so much. <laughs>
hope that you, that each and every one of you got something out of this. Um, this was, you know, our goal. She has put up with me in the last... Over the last three months it has been, I can't even begin to tell you, just putting this event together. So we are honored that each and every one of you are here. I hope that you really got something out of it. This is just a heartfelt event. So um, for each and every one of you, I thank you so much. Give yourself a hand for being here. Boom, there you have it. What a great breakout session. People were connected. People were just standing. I mean, it was just very, very powerful. And this is what the Conclave of Warriors is all about. It's about connecting with you, the audience, and making you feel at home. And there is no disconnect whatsoever. See, this is what the Conclave means, right? It's basically a closed doors environment where people in there are interconnected and, and feed off each other's energy. And this was just very, very powerful across the board, life-changing. People, you know, ran through emotions. They cried. They laughed. You know, it was it was just intense at times. You know, listening to some of the stories, listening to some of the feedback. I must say that I am absolutely stoked how Conclave of Warriors 2018 went, and to have somebody like Brad Lee on board with this movement and with this event uh, was just total badass. I really hope that you got something out of this because this is really a deep dive here. I really hope that you were able to write some things down. If not, go back and listen to it. Some great stuff. All right, guys, until next time, your life may be challenging and, of course, full of dangers, but never retreat. Your last battle may be your greatest victory.